thank you for that instrumental special there. And what a blessing it is that we belong to Jesus and he belongs to us. Take your Bibles with me this morning. And we're going to be in the book of Luke this morning. The book of Luke and chapter number 9. Always thankful for the opportunity to preach. And even more so for the opportunity to preach here at my home church. And uh, it's, it's been an exciting year. It's been exciting to see uh, how God has provided. It's been exciting to see how God has led us each and every step of the way. And uh, we're just so thankful to be able to, to be in his service, to be able to be on the road telling people all over America about our wonderful Savior, Jesus Christ. And I'm just, I'm just thrilled to be able to speak to you this morning. And Luke 9 and verse number 23 will be our text. Uh, we'll look at a few other verses as well, but that will be our main text this morning. And I'd like us to read that at this time. Luke 9 and verse 23, the Bible says this, And he said to them all, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. One more time, we'll read. And he said to them all, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Let's ask the Lord to help us before we jump into the word of of God this morning. Lord, we love you and we thank you so much for the privilege that it is to not only have your word, Lord, but for many of us to have multiple copies of your word and to be able to open it, Lord, in freedom and to be able to open it this morning and learn from you. And I pray, Lord, that you'd take your word and that you would apply it specifically and directly to our hearts, Lord. Uh, All is vain unless the spirit of the Holy One come down. So I pray, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would come and would fill this place, Lord, and would speak to us. Would you get Drew Hay out of the way? And may we hear from heaven this morning. We'll give you all the praise and all the glory, for only you are worthy. In Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen. I'd like to ask you a challenging question this morning. The question is this, are you a follower of Jesus Christ? Are you a follower of Jesus Christ? At first glance, it doesn't seem like that challenging of a question. Yes, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, Brother Drew. In fact, don't you see me here on a Sunday morning sitting here in a, in a chair in Crossroads Baptist Church? Yes, I'm a follower of Jesus. But you see, as we look at our passage this morning, Jesus lays out for us the qualifications. He lays out for us the steps that we must take in order to be a follower of his. And those steps, really, as we look at them, are challenging steps. Notice this morning that I did not ask you if you are saved. And I hope that this morning you are. I hope that you have come to a place in your life where you realized that you were a helpless and hopeless and hell-deserving sinner. Because the fact of the matter is, each and every one of us in this room, that's all we deserve. That's all we deserve is a place in the lake of fire. But I hope you've come to that place in your life where you've realized that, where you've, you've come to the realization that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You realize that, 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 that I'm undone, that I'm a sinner, that when it says all, it was talking about me. But I also hope you've come to the place where you realize that Jesus is the only way. That you realize that he died on the cross, yes, for the whole world, but he died on the cross because he loved you and because he loved me. And I hope you come to the place where you realize that Jesus is the only way to heaven. It's not in works of righteousness of which we have done, but according to his mercy that he saved us. It's not in coming to church. It's not in getting uh, getting baptized. It's not in, in keeping the commandments. It's not in doing more good than bad. It's in realizing that only Jesus can save a soul. 
I hope you've come to the point in your life where you've put your faith and your trust in Jesus, where you call upon his name, and as the Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I hope you've come to that point this morning. And if you've not come to that point this morning, if you've never trusted Jesus as your Savior, if you have some questions about whether heaven would be your home, you're in the right place this morning. You're in a place that you can get help with that question. And I hope that if you have some questions about that, that you won't leave this place this morning until you've gotten those questions answered. Because I was talking to somebody before the service this morning, and, and we were talking about how sometimes there can be fear in our heart. Especially somebody who perhaps, you know, they, they thought they were saved or made a decision when they were younger. Or, or everybody else thought that they were saved, but they, they say, you know, I don't have that peace in my heart. I don't know if I'm on my way to heaven. I don't know if I really ever asked. I mean, everybody always assumed that I was saved, but I don't know that I am saved. And we were talking about how sometimes there can be a pressure to say, ooh, I, what would people think of me? Oh, you know, I, I don't know if I could come forward. I don't know if I could talk to somebody because they, they might judge me. <laughs> Well, I tell you this morning, if, if they would judge you, then, then they're not as close to God as they ought to be. Because anybody that comes to Jesus, a true Christian, says, Hallelujah! Praise the Lord for another soul that has been saved, for another name written down in the book of life. If you don't know Jesus this morning, my prayer is that you would come to know him, that you would place your faith and your trust in him and him alone for your salvation. But I'm not asking you this morning if you're saved. I'm asking, are you a follower? Of Jesus Christ. Unfortunately, I believe that there are many today who would consider themselves to be followers of Jesus Christ. But really, as you look at their life, they're more of a fan of Jesus than they are a follower. You see, a fan is somebody who, I'm telling you, they can get real excited. I mean, they can get really excited about their team. They can get really excited about, about whatever sporting event or whatever thing that they're a fan of. And, and they'll do some pretty crazy things to show that they're excited and to show their support for their cause or for their team or whatever it might be. They'll paint themselves. They'll hold up big signs and they'll pay lots of money to get into, into an arena where their, where their team is playing. And they'll seem real excited. And they'll seem like, man, they're really passionate about their team, but they're just a fan. You see, and the difference between a fan and somebody who's on that field is a fan gets to cheer from the safety of the bleachers. A fan gets to cheer from the safety of the stands. They don't get in there and put their, their, <laughs> I put, it this way, put their body on the line to, to, to go and get tackled or to go and, and, and try to shoot a three-pointer. They're, they're not out there doing that. They're just in the stands going, woo! And sometimes, as Christians, we can be more fans of Jesus than we are followers. Oh, man, I'm excited. Oh, you should hear me. I, I, I'm, I'm in there, man. I'm, I, I'm here on Sunday morning. I'll even say amen. I'll get excited. I'll sing the hymns. I'll, I mean, I'll, ooh, I'll, ooh. yeah, Jesus. Go, Jesus. But Jesus was looking for something more than just a fan. He was looking for dedicated followers. And it can be hard to tell the difference sometimes. Because a fan, I mean, they're excited. They have lots of knowledge about their team. I mean, they can rattle off the stats. They can tell you where, you know, the different players went to college and how long they've been pro and, and what awards they've won. They, they got lots of knowledge. They got lots of stats in their brain. And sometimes, you know, as Christians, especially if you, if you grew up in, in, in church and, you know, you went to Sunday school and you, you went to children's church, you can have a lot of knowledge, a lot of facts up here in your head. Think, oh, I'm a follower of Jesus. I mean, I can, I, I, I got tons of verses memorized. And, you know, I can say all the books of the Bible in one breath. 
it's quite impressive. If you've never tried that, you know, after the service, maybe give it a try, you know. That really is the pinnacle of spirituality right there. Can you say the books of the Bible in one breath? Don't pass out on me, though, okay? If anybody passes out, I take no responsibility for that, okay? But see, that's not what Jesus was looking for. He wasn't just looking for somebody who had a whole lot of head knowledge or somebody who could rattle off a bunch of verses and, and rattle off a bunch of stats about Jesus. No, he was looking for followers. Jesus gives a great description of fans in Matthew 15 and verse 8. This is what he said. This people honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. And Jesus, he's interested in this right here. He wants your heart. And sometimes, sometimes we can put an emphasis on the externals. You know, you've got to do this, and you've got to do this, and you've got to look right, and you've got to dress right, and, you know, do you have your suit and tie on, and do you have this? But, 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 but Jesus says, ah, this is what I want right here. If I can get this, all that other stuff will take care of itself. I want your heart. Really, as we get into it, following Jesus can seem like a daunting task. Oh, I don't, I don't know if I, can, if I can live up to this verse, Brother Drew. I don't know if I could be a follower of Jesus Christ. But the fact of the matter is, Jesus wasn't looking for people who had their act together to be his follower. Jesus wasn't looking for the religious elite of his day and saying, I want you to follow me. Jesus went to fishermen. Foul mouth, rough around the edges. Jesus said, that's who I want to follow me. Jesus went to tax collectors, the ones that society would look upon and say, traitors, publicans. Ugh. Jesus said, I want some tax collectors. <laughs> Jesus went to, 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 to and called a, a radical zealot, one that, that, that you know you could say was a, a radical and saying, yeah, we're, we're going to overthrow the Romans and we're going we're to kill people. He, this man very likely probably had committed some terrible things and, and done some terrible things in the name of freeing Israel. God said, that's Jesus said, that's who I want to follow me. He's not looking for those that have had their act all together. Okay, I've got to get it all together, and I've got to get everything all clean and everything all perfect, and then I can follow Jesus. No, he's asking just normal, everyday Christians, if I can put it that way. Just fallen human beings. And he says to you and to I, this morning, follow me. Follow me. And so as we look this morning and consider the question, are you a follower of Jesus Christ? I want you to notice that first of all, following Jesus requires exclusion. It requires exclusion. Look at the beginning part of our, of our verse again, Luke 9 and verse 23. It says, and he said unto them all, if any man will come after me. If any man will come after me. This is a wish, a will, or a desire to go after Jesus, to follow after him. And if we're following after Jesus, that naturally concludes that we're turning away from following after some other things. You can't follow Jesus and follow something else at the same time. It requires exclusion. Jesus says, I want you to come after me. Instead of coming after or going after what you have been going after before, I want you to follow me. I want you to come after me. It requires exclusion. Turn with me, if you would, to Matthew 13. Matthew 13, Jesus gives us a little story here that beautifully illustrates this point here. Matthew 13 and verse number 44. Keep your finger there in Luke. We'll come back there. But Matthew 13 and verse 44. The Bible says this. 
And again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a treasure hid in a field, which when a man hath found, he hideth, and for joy thereof goeth and selleth all that he hath, and buyeth that field. Here Jesus tells us a story about a man, a man who was working in a field. We don't know, maybe he was working for somebody he knew, or or he was just a laborer. We don't really know a whole lot about this man, but the Bible tells us that as he's working in this field that did not belong to him, it was not his own field, he stumbled across a treasure that was hidden in that field. And this man, knowing that if he you know, picked the thing up and, and, and brought it out right there and then, that, that he'd be like, hey, you know, that, that, that's not yours. You found that in my field. That belongs to me. He knew that he wouldn't be able to keep that treasure, and so he said, you know what? i got to buy this field. i got to make it so that this property is mine and everything on it belongs to me, and i got to get this treasure. It was this costly. It was this valuable. We don't know exactly what the treasure was, but it was something that was so amazing that this man said, I'm going to go home. And I'm going to sell everything that I have. I'm going to spare no expense. I'm not holding on to anything else. I'm, I'm willing to sell it all. Put it up on auction. And sell it. Yeah, you, you want some, some of my stuff? Here, you can have it. Sell it. Get, get rid of all of it. Because there's a treasure. There's a treasure that I found that is far more valuable than anything that I own and anything that's in my house. And he was willing to sell it all. But notice how he did it too. And for joy thereof, goeth and selleth all that he hath, and buyeth that field. This wasn't something that he did, oh man, I gotta, I gotta get rid of all my stuff. All this stuff I worked so hard for, all these things that I've had for all these years, man, I can't believe I have to do this just for this dumb treasure. No, this treasure was so costly and so valuable that it wasn't a big thing for him to ask. It wasn't something he had to consider. He said, get rid of all of it. I have to have this treasure. And what I'm here to tell you this morning is Jesus is a treasure. And there is nothing in this world worth holding on to and missing out on the treasure that is following Jesus with all of your heart. Nothing. Get rid of all of it. Don't hold on to any of it. Don't run away after something else. You follow Jesus exclusively this morning. It wasn't a big thing to ask this man. He said, this treasure, it's it's, it's worth more than anything I have. How precious is Jesus to you? Is he the one that you're following exclusively? Or has the devil brought some trinkets? Ooh, I got something for you to follow over here. I got got a career path for you. Ooh, this will make you happy. Oh, I got, you know, Jesus, yeah, yeah, he's good and all, but I got some pleasure over here. Ooh, man, I'm telling you, this is what you should be following after. This is what's going to bring satisfaction to your soul. Nothing satisfies but Jesus. Don't believe the devil's lies. Don't think that you can serve two masters because the Bible says either you'll hate the one and love the other or else you'll hold to the one and despise the other. You can't serve God and mammon. Talking about money, you can't serve God and anything else. Following Jesus requires exclusion. David said it this way in Psalm 63 and verse 8. He says, My soul followeth hard after thee. Thy right hand upholdeth me. I'll put it put another way. If we're following hard after Jesus, we won't have time for anything or anyone else who tries to get in the way of us following after Jesus. Anything or anyone. If it tries to get in the way of you following Jesus, it needs to be pushed to the side so that you can continue to follow Jesus and him alone. 
I had the wonderful, wonderful privilege of marrying the most beautiful woman in the world back in 2015, right after we graduated from college. She's back in the nursery. Her name is Caitlin. And I'm telling you, it's, it's, it's a second of my salvation. That's about as good as it gets right there. Praise the Lord for a godly wife. And, you know, keeps, keep, keeps me on the straight and narrow and, and, and puts up with all of my nonsense. Amen. Okay. It's, it's, it's what, a, what a blessing. What a blessing. But what if, as we were getting to know each other and as, as we got engaged, and as the wedding day drew closer, what if I had taken our vows and changed them just slightly? I, Andrew, take thee, Caitlin, to be one of my wedded wives. To have and to hold from this day forward, for better or worse, and all the rest of it. I'll tell you what would have happened. My then fiance would have been like, ah, no, I don't think so. (laughs) This isn't going to work out, buddy. Uh, You know, man, I I wasted my time. You have another wife and you're just going to add me to the stack? (laughs) No, that's not going to work. That's not going to happen. It's not happening. No, 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 no. But yet, I mean, we look at an example like that and be like, that's ridiculous. But yet we'll have Jesus and then we'll have our our pursuits and and our hobbies and, and other things that we're following after. Other little gods, little idols up on our shelf. And we'll think it's okay. Well, you know, I, 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 I got to have this little idol in my life. How else am I supposed to survive? How else am I supposed to, 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 to keep on going? I mean, I, oh, yeah, Brother Drew, everybody's got idols. Everybody's got them. Everybody's got a, you know, a little something, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, Jesus, woo, yeah, woo, we love Jesus. But, you know, sometimes you need a little something after a long day. Sometimes you need a little something else, you know? Sometimes Jesus isn't quite enough. And of course we wouldn't say that out loud. But the way we live our lives sometimes, that's exactly what we're saying. He's not enough. I need something else. I need someone else. I need something else to follow after other than Jesus. We can't be a follower of Jesus and have some other gods on the side. It doesn't work. Following Jesus must be exclusive. But number two this morning, we see that following Jesus requires sacrifice. It requires sacrifice. Back in our passage in Luke 9, the Bible tells us, and he said to them all, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross. Let him deny himself or take up his cross. You know, one of the most important things that you'll learn in this life is the ability to say no. Ability to say no. There's some things in life that you just have to say no to. And one of those most important things is yourself. It's yourself. You see, if you just say yes to yourself all the time, I'm I'm telling you, you're headed for disaster. You're headed for disaster because the heart, it's deceitfully wicked, the Bible says. It's desperately wicked. Who can know it? If you follow your heart, you know, just, just follow your heart. Follow your heart. If you follow your heart, it's going to lead you off a cliff. You got to follow Jesus. And Jesus says, in order to be my follower, you have to deny yourself. You have to be willing to say no to yourself and no to your flesh and no to your plans and no to your ambitions and say yes to Jesus. It's going to require some sacrifice. 1 Corinthians 6 and verse 20 says it this way, for ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, 
witcher gods. He owns you. <laughs> but sometimes we can come to, we can even come to church with this mindset that the, the world has drilled into us. What can church do for me? I'm coming to church to be fed and to be ministered to. What can church do for me? How, what can I get out of the, the, the service today? How can I be encouraged? How can, and that's just the wrong way to look at it. Jesus says, you're going to be my follower. You can't be just thinking about yourself all the time. You've got to be saying no to yourself and instead coming to church with an attitude of, how can I serve? Who can I encourage this morning? Who can I be a blessing to? <laughs> Who can God use me in their life to meet a specific need this week? I'm telling you, if we all start to come to church with that kind of mindset, there'll be a whole lot more needs being met. Instead of us all just focusing on my needs, to me, I need to be fed and I need to... You know what? You go and try to serve somebody else. You go try to do something for somebody else. And let me tell you, all of a sudden, your needs are going to start being met. But you got to be willing to say no to yourself. Look at Matthew 19 with me. Would you, would you turn there with me as well? Matthew 19. Bible gives us an interesting story about another individual who wanted to be a follower of Jesus. Matthew 19 and verse number 16, the Bible says this, And behold, one came and said unto him, Good master, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? And he said unto them, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, that is God. But if thou wilt enter into life, keep the commandments. He saith unto him, Which? Jesus said, Thou shalt do no murder, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, honor thy father and thy mother, and thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Verse 20, The young man saith unto him, All these things have I kept from my youth up. What lack I yet? <laughs> this isn't the message, but this, this, this young man, he... I, th I think he was a little bit deceived. You know, oh, I've, I've kept all those things, Jesus, you know, from, from, from my youth up. What, what, what else do I have to do? Verse 21, Jesus said unto him, If thou wilt be perfect, go and sell that thou hast, and give it to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. But the, when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, because he had great possessions. Now here's a young man who said, I want to be a follower of Jesus. Oh, I've kept the commandments. I think I could be a great asset to the cause. And Jesus said, well, go sell, go, go sell your stuff. And said, whoa, 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 time out. <laughs> time out. Jesus said, uh, you, you can have my, you know, my good works and, and, and you, know, you can have my, my, my love and you can have my, my praise, but my stuff? That's mine. You can't have that. And Jesus, you see, he, he, he knew this young man. He, he knew exactly where he was at. He knew the, the, the little corner of his life that was off limits to the Savior. But the fact of the matter is, when Jesus comes in, there's no corner that's off limits. <laughs> you know, oh, no, this is mine. This is mine, Jesus. Not if you want to be his follower, it's not. Oh, Jesus, you can stay in the living room. You know, we clean that up real good. You can even come in the dining rooms, Jesus. We'll, you know, we'll, we'll give you some food. You know, we'll, we'll serve you real nice. Hey, you can even come up and see the bedroom, Jesus, but the basement, stay out of the basement. And the hall closet, that's where we stuffed everything before you came, so stay out of there. Jesus says it's going to require some sacrifice. It's going to require you saying no to yourself. It's going to require you 
being willing to give up some things. Because really, we, if, we, if we stop and pause and think about it, is any of it even ours to begin with? Every good gift and every perfect gift cometh from above. It's all his anyway. And if he asks you for anything, it's already his. And so what's the big deal about giving it to him? Sometimes we hold on to some things. Oh, yes, Jesus, you can have everything. You can have, you can have all of me, except for this right here. Jesus, I'll go, any for, I'll, I'll go anywhere for you, except to Africa. I'm not going there. Or, or wherever Brother Matt Smith is. That place sounds pretty scary. I, I, I won't go there. Jesus, you can have my time. I'll, I'll, but, but wait, but, but I, I got this certain amount of time right here on Friday. That's mine. You can't have that one. Jesus knows. He knows what we try to hold back. He knows what we try to keep hidden away in the dark recesses of our hearts and of our lives. And you see, Jesus had a different philosophy of ministry than, than many do today. Many say, oh, well, God's blessing. I have 3,000 in my church. I'm really doing good. But you see, in, in our passage in Luke, right before this, Jesus had fed Thousands of people. And I mean, they were all pretty excited about Jesus. Man, oh, oh my, man, we are on Team Jesus. I mean, we get fish sandwiches for free. I'm telling you, that's pretty good right there. <laughs> we're on Team Jesus. We're excited about him. And Jesus looks at that big crowd of people who are, and they're, 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 they're on fire. They're excited. And he says, listen, I'm not just after a quantity. I'm after quality. I'm not just looking for a big crowd to follow me. I'm not just looking to get real popular. I'm not just looking for a bunch of people to, to give me lip service. I want some committed followers who say, I'm not holding anything back. Jesus, it's all yours. Use me. Take me. Do whatever you want with me. But again, it's going to require saying no to ourselves. We call him Lord of all, but is he really Lord? At all? One of the uh, an amazing uh, uh, things in, in the Old Testament, in the book of Deuteronomy, the Bible lays out to us the process of becoming a bond slave. And I don't have time to go, to, to go through it all this morning. But basically what would happen is, is God had set a limit and said if, if somebody owes you money and, or if somebody is in, in your debt for, for, for whatever reason, then you, they can become your slave. They can become your servant and, and, and they basically pay off their debt that way. But you're limited to six years. Six years is the longest that a slave would be allowed to remain in the service of his master. And then after six years, his debt was considered paid, no matter how big it was, and he was a free man. But a bond slave was different. A bond slave was one who, after that six years, decided, I want to stay. Deuteronomy 15, 16, and 17 says this, And it shall be, if he say unto thee, I will not go away from thee, because, thou love, because he loveth thee in mine house, because he is well with thee, then thou shalt take an awl, and thrust it through his ear unto the door, and he shall be thy servant forever, and also unto thy maidservant shall thou do likewise. So here's what the servant was saying, the slave was saying, Listen, master, I want to stay here in your house. I want to continue to be your slave, and I want to stay here with you. Because being here in your house and serving you is better than having my freedom and being on my own. That's a powerful truth here in the Old Testament that Jesus sets before us. 
And the fact of the matter is, as Christians, we find true freedom when we realize that my life is better if I stay with Jesus and I serve Jesus and I follow him all the days of my life than if I have my own freedom and go my own way and do my own thing and be on my own. I'm better off with Jesus. That's what it's all about. That's true Christian maturity there. Realizing that I am better off with Jesus than I am on my own. I'm better off having him as my Lord than being my own Lord. I'm better off serving him all the days of my life than serving myself and serving my flesh. I'm better off with Jesus. That's what being a follower is all about. But the fact of the matter is, Jesus doesn't just consider us slaves. He doesn't just consider us his servants. No, in John 15 and 15, he says this, Henceforth, I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth, but I have called you friends. For all things that I have heard of my Father, I have made known unto you. He calls you his friend. Yes, he wants you to serve him. Yes, he wants you to follow him. But he says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Would you rather be on your own? Or would you rather be in the house of the one that owns the cattle on a thousand hills? And the hills. And the gold under the hills. And everything. (laughs) I'll take my chances, Jesus. Why would you live that way? I'll take my chances, Jesus, doing my own thing. I'll take my chances, you know, kind of going my own way. I'll serve some other masters over here, Jesus, and see how it works out for me. Just read your Bible. Serving other masters never worked out for anybody. Follow Jesus. It requires some sacrifice. And it's amazing that the picture that the Bible gives us there in the, in the back of the book of Luke says, deny yourself and take up your cross. Pick up your cross. I wish I could stand up here before you this morning and say, based on the word of God, you can live your best life now. I'm telling you, (laughs) you serve Jesus and you follow him and you'll never have another problem again. Your trials will disappear. Your financial problems, gone. You'll have more money than you know what to do with. Your health issues, poof. I mean, you'll be as healthy as an ox if you follow Jesus. No more problems. I mean, you'll be skipping through the hills singing, the hills are alive with the sound of music. I mean, it's just going to be beautiful. Your life will become a musical. you just burst into song randomly walking down the street. But the Bible says something a little bit different. It says, Jesus says, if you're going to follow me, you're going to have to pick up your cross. And you see, a cross isn't as shocking to us nowadays as it would have been back to these, to, to these ones that Jesus was speaking to because back in these days, the cross was about the worst way that you could die. If you wanted to kill somebody, there were a lot quicker and easier and cheaper ways to do it. But if you really wanted to humiliate somebody, and you really wanted to make an example out of somebody, as the Romans often would, you would crucify them and hang them there on the side of the road so everyone walking by would look and say, Whoa, I better not mess with the Roman Empire. Ooh, I don't want that to happen to me. And if death wasn't quick, it would be often hours and hours of of, of pain and torture as they hung upon that cross. And Jesus says to us, I want you to pick up your cross. Pick up your cross. I got one for you. I carried my cross and I have one for you as well. Pick up your cross. 
You see, <laughs> there's no comfortable way to carry a cross. You can try to reposition it, you can try to, but there's no way to carry a cross without some suffering. When we agree to following Jesus, we are agreeing to pick up that cross even when it hurts. In fact, the Bible tells us outright that, that following Christ has a cost. Luke 6 and verse 22, Blessed are ye when men shall hate you and shall separate you from their company and shall reproach you and cast your name out as evil for the Son of Man's sake. 2 Timothy 2 and, and verse number 12, Yea, all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Sorry to be a downer here this morning, but carrying your cross is going to cost you. It's going to, it's going to be some sacrifice. But it's worth it. It's worth it. And carrying your cross while following Jesus is far better than carrying your own load and carrying your own burdens and carrying your own sin and following after yourself. Because Jesus says this, my, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. It's a comparative term. Yes, there might be some suffering. Yes, there might be some hard times. But I'm right there in the yoke with you. I'm not leaving you alone. I'm walking there beside you. And when you get weak, I'm right there to carry you. And I'm right there to help you keep on going. And, and, and really, if we think about it, the blessings that come with walking with Jesus and following after Jesus far outweigh any trials or any tribulations that we might face. And he says that my, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. That's compared to the burden that the world carries. That's compared to the burden that the carnal Christian carries. I tell you, there's few people on this earth more miserable than a carnal Christian trying to live for themselves and saying, yeah, I love Jesus, but I'm going to live for myself. They're miserable. There's no peace. There's no joy. There's no satisfaction. There's no, there's, 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 there's nothing but anguish and pain and anxiety when we try to follow our own path. Following Jesus, yes, it requires sacrifice, but following Jesus is best. It's the best decision that we can make. But finally, number three, as we wrap up this morning, following Jesus requires faithfulness. It requires faithfulness. Back in Luke 9 and verse 23, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Following Jesus is a daily pursuit. It means following Jesus when I don't feel like it. I mean, it's following Jesus when, when, when there's a million excuses why I shouldn't. Paul said it this way, I die daily. Every day I say no to me and yes to him. Daily. It requires faithfulness. Let's think of our lives this way. Think of your life as a $100 bill. Sometimes we can get the, maybe the perception that when, when I decide to follow Jesus, when I decide to give him my life, it's like me taking that $100 bill and giving it to Jesus and saying, here you go, Lord, you can have it. But I think it's more aptly illustrated as having that $100 broken down into pennies. And we get a certain amount of those pennies every day. And we have to decide, what am I going to do with my pennies that I have before me today? Am I going to give them to Jesus or am I going to keep them for myself? And a penny isn't a whole lot, especially nowadays. <laughs> it's not a whole lot. But I'm telling you something, faithfulness adds up. It might not seem like a whole lot right now. It might just seem like a little decision. It might just seem like a little you know, alteration in, in, in my course to follow Jesus. But if you continue and you faithfully serve Jesus day after day, those things begin to add up and they begin to grow and they begin to accomplish something amazing. 
faithfully dying to self each and every day. What does that look like? Faithfully dying to self means that I'm going to get up a little bit earlier to spend some time with my Jesus. I understand that some of you work early, some of you go to school early. I've been, I've, at least the school part, I've been there. But again, what am I following? What's my most important priority in my life? It ought to be Jesus. You say, I can't do it in the morning, but I get up at 3 a.m. I can't do it. Well, well do it sometime. Jesus is a daily, it's a daily pursuit. It's following him each and every day. We can't live another day without being right there in our Bibles, without walking with our Savior. We can't live another day. Just like we couldn't, you, you stop eating, bad stuff's going to start to happen to you. You stop walking with Jesus, bad stuff starts to happen. It's every day. It means taking time out of your schedule to be a blessing to somebody else. It means making church a priority over relaxing and over decompressing, if you will. It means sharing the gospel around you regardless of what they might think or regardless of how you might feel. It means putting down the video games, turning off the television, getting off of the social media, taking a break from your hobby, sacrificing some of your me time to say, I want to do God's will and I want to be close to Jesus and I want to follow him with my life before anything else. Faithful each and every day. Jesus calls his followers to lay down their own plans and their own ambitions and to pick up a cross. He carried his cross. And now it's up to us to faithfully carry ours. I ask you again, are you a follower of Jesus Christ? Are you just a fan? Yeah, woo, yeah, go Jesus. Oh, I'm excited. Oh, I, can, I, can, I, got, I got all this knowledge about Jesus. But is it affecting the way you're living your life? We don't need any secret service Christians at this time. Oh, we're not going to let anybody know that we're Christians. We've got to keep this thing on the down low. No, no, we don't need any of that. We need someone who will stand up and say, I am a follower of Jesus Christ. Amen. It's high time that some of us got out of, out of the bleachers, that got off the stands and got in the game. I'm, I'm telling you, you can, you can cheer for Jesus and... and, and that's a wonderful thing. But I'm telling you, the Christian life gets real when we start living for Jesus. And we're not just Christians in name only, but we're Christians in action. Say, I'm going to follow him. I'm going to serve him. I'm going to let him use me. I'm going to stop holding back portions of myself and portions of my life, and I'm just going to give it all to him. Faithfully, each and every day. I mean, you can stay on the sidelines. And watch God work. Or you can get in the game and experience God work. I don't know about you. I can get encouraged by hearing about how God's working. Read a good book. Man, wow, it's amazing what God did in the past. Hear about how God's working in different places. And as I'm getting to travel, I'm getting to see more and more of, of how God's still at work. The devil hasn't won, ladies and gentlemen. God is still at work. But I'm telling you, something changes when you stop being a hearer of the word and become a doer of the word. The Bible says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Don't just, don't just take my word for it. <laughs> you taste and see. You sacrifice. You deny yourself. You follow Jesus exclusively. And you'll begin, you'll begin to experience the Christian life and all its blessing and all its benefits as God 
intended us to experience it. Lord, we love you and we thank you that even though, Lord, we are failures, even though we are frail, even though, Lord, we, we, we wander, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love and follow after something else, I thank you that you've called each and every one of us to be your followers. And Lord, I pray, if there's anything that's gotten into our lives, Lord, that we're following more than you, that's taken up more of our time, more of our energy, and that's on our mind more than Jesus is, Lord, I pray that you'd help us to confess that this morning. Lord, maybe there's some that they haven't been as faithful, Lord, as they should. They need to get back to being faithful each and every day. I pray that you'd help that person. And Lord, if there's any that is holding something back, saying, oh, I'll follow Jesus, but just not this. I need this. I need to hold on to this. I pray, Lord, that they would let go. They would give it to you. And they would be able to experience, Lord, the riches that are found in being a follower of Jesus Christ.